you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Brendan Ion Badejo, and this is the NFL Players Second Acts Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Peanut Tillman, and this is the NFL Players Second Acts Podcast. And with me, as always, my trusted late sidekick, Roman, I'm never on Tom Harper. What's up, baby? They didn't even know. Um, they they know now. They do now. <laughs> um, you know this is recorded, so like they don't understand timing because we when we release it, like that's it. But thank you for that. Anyways, all of our listeners, our viewers out there, first of all, I always want to thank you for always tuning in. Give us a five-star rating. Leave a comment. Click that button. Follow wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts. Thank you as always. Peanut, who's our guest today? We got a good one. Uh, he was a. Seven. This is my favorite, honestly. This is you want to do. You want to do the intro. Favorite. I'm gonna let you do the intro. You do this? This, Thank you. This, this, you this know is your, I will. This, this is this is your people's. This is completely my people. This is my suggested guest. This is my man, my ace Boone Coon since day one. He knows it. He, I will get emotional at some point during this podcast because <laughs> this is how much this guy means to me. Um, he was a seventh round pick, fourth from last in 2006. By the New Orleans Saints, <clears throat> out of Hofstra, the last player <laughs> drafted out of Hofstra. Wow. The last one, wow. because unfortunately oh. they shut down the program. But there's neither here nor there. All right. <laughs> In fact, he wasn't, I said that he's the last one. But he wanted to have a productive 10-year career, all with the Saints. He won a Super Bowl with with yours truly, which I don't like to bring up because Peanut gets all his feelings hurt all the time. We talk about Super Bowls around here. Just read He's also on, the Saints' the all-time leader in receptions, touchdowns, and yards. He's also in the team's Hall of Fame. With he's you. now Yes, with me. Uh, he's now an entrepreneur, an educator, philanthropist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, financial advising, the whole nine, you name it, he's done it. Marcus Colston, everybody. <laughs> He's used to me just saying Colston because that's what they were saying the Superdome for all those years. Coast man, so good seeing you. Thank you for coming over. Thanks for being patiently waiting on me. Nah, I, you know I'm gonna wait on you, man. I, I just appreciate being here with y'all, man. Been been following this this podcast for a minute, so man, give him. He's late. We've been, <laughs> he he was supposed to be in here like hours ago. Am I lying? You're, you're not wrong. So for for those uh, listening and or watching. Rome double booked. So he had to go back home to Charlotte. We're in New York right now. So he had to go back home to Charlotte, do this thing. He went back last night. He did this appearance that he had this morning. Where you was at the temple? Uh, no, I was at Myers Park Presbyterian Church. Okay. Close enough. So he was he was at the he was at the temple doing some stuff. And then he got on a plane, like literally, I don't know, a couple minutes ago, fresh off the plane. Yeah. Where would you fly, nigga? LaGuardia? Yeah, LaGuardia. I actually had to run here, get out of my Uber because the Uber was taking sweating. too long. So I, I don't sweat. <laughs> Everybody knows that about me. If you play, you just like, cry. I do cry. But I want to. I want to. Before <laughs> we get too far into this thing, I, all right, we got to clear the air up. All right, we got to just let's just get it all out there. All right, like 2015, I believe is the year. I knew this was coming. <laughs> 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 right. 2015. All right. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, do you want to tell the story? Do you want to go there? <laughs> no, Cause, I cause, want you to tell it. I'll correct it. Because here's my this, perspective. This is going to be a good one. All right, so here's my <laughs> perspective, okay? I, I, I love Colts. Colts been my guy. Since day one, like hey, I man, said. Hey, man, forget all that. I'm going to tell the story. All right. You, you so don't sugarcoat it. We get over to the <laughs> sideline. Peanut's going all crazy. No. He's like, oh, no. You, no. You all right, go ahead. Let me, let, me, let me set it up. Okay. 2015, uh, I'm in Carolina. My new teammate, Rome. My, my new Ace Boom crew. I, I thought I'm his new guy, right? I'm his new bottom you-know-what. I'm his new side piece. I'm, that's me. Yeah. I'm his guy. So we're playing, we're playing, uh, we're playing the Saints, and Drew Brees he rolls outside the pocket. So me, I have a clock that goes off in my head. When the quarterback gets outside the tackle box, you get to push the receiver again. So Colson, he's he's running down the field doing his things, trying to get open. It's like backyard football, and Drew's outside the tackle box. So I push him. Colson falls down. And I didn't think nothing of it because I do it all the time. I'm, I'm trying not to laugh telling this story. <laughs> so I'm walking back to the huddle. It might have been fourth down. It might have been third down. I can't, I can't remember. We came off the field right after. Yeah. So it must have been fourth down. Mm-hmm. So Colson, he, he he walks over and was like, man, you a... And I was like... <laughs> and I just saw red. And we I tried, to, I tried to fight. But then all my teammates grabbed me and... <laughs> we get to the sideline and I'm looking at Rome and Rome was like, what? What do you do? My guy Colson, he would never do that. That's, that's, that's not him. He, would, he wouldn't do it. What do you mean? I mean, I just. And I was I'm like, like, I was like, Peter, what'd you do? It was clearly your And fault. I'm like, I am livid. Like, I am just like, Rome. And I'm like, that mother, I thought I'm a man first. I'm a football player second. And Steve Wilkes. D, uh, D coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers is like, look, if you want to go fight him, we'll go fight him after the game. But we got to do it after the game. We got a game to play right now. And I was like, no, Steve, we got to fight right now. He called me a... I'm a man first. I'm a football player second. You don't do that to a man. And the whole time he was just like, nah. Nah, my guy. He would never do that. And I was like physically mad at Rome because I was like... You're taking his side. I'm your. I'm. I'm your teammate. Like I'm your new boo. And I like. Coast and he was like, Coast would, would do never that. do that. He's not that. that guy. And I was like, he wouldn't do that. Oh, I was so. I was so mad at you. See, but then, but then he did say he was like, hey man. He he called me. And was like, hey, tell your boy Peter, I apologize, man. He was like, I'm just in a bad place right now. Things, <laughs> football, life, life is happening right now. Like I, I apologize. I was, you know. So yeah. he, he, we, we, we did do that. But yeah, that's. That's the story in a bit of a nutshell. So, see, 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 that moment led us to this today. That moment led us to <laughs> So when we knew you were coming on the show, everybody was like, I was like, oh, man, I haven't really seen Colson since. I haven't seen him since 2015, <laughs> since that incident. But I knew you had called Rome and said, hey, man, tell Peanut, hey, that's on me. That's my bad. So yeah. I knew there wouldn't like be for any animosity or anything like that. But that was just the first thing I thought about. <laughs> I was like, yo. This is going to be a good one because the first thing what we're going to talk about. <laughs> we need to get that out the way. We need to get it now, out of the now, way. Now, Colson, tell everybody what, what happened in your eyes. See, it's it's one of them classic, it, it wasn't you, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old breakup space. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was in a, baby. It was just <laughs> 15, 15 was my last year. And it was one of those, it's one of those times where like you could see the writing on the wall. Yeah. And I saw how I was getting phased out of the offense. And I saw how the reps that I would normally get, they just weren't coming no more. Yeah. And like when you get to that point in your career and you got to accept some hard truths, you just show up different. Yeah. So I'm I'm showing up to every game every week and I'm just like, I'm halfway pissed off because I know I can play, but they're not letting me play. And they're using you as a blocker now. I'm I'm a blocker. <laughs> I'm I'm leaving. I'm leaving on, on duo plays. I'm leaving. I'm like, hold on now. This not this not how. I, yeah. I made a career. <laughs> so, no, nah, it, it was just one of those situations, man. I, w- I was just in a different place mentally, and, yeah, it, you, you hit a trigger. It, 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 was, uh, it, was, it was, honestly, it was hilarious. You got to understand, though, like, even the year before in 14, uh, you know, I played against Colston all, so many times in practice, going against each other. We battled so many times. Um, and I hit him, and he dropped the ball. And literally, I went down to a knee. <laughs> to like check on him, like in the middle of the game, in my cup. And Steve Wilkes is like, "Rome, you can't do that, dog. You, you can't, 
hit an opponent team and like <laughs> ask him if he's okay. Like you just, we just can't put that on film. So, you know, that's yeah. how much this guy means to me. And all right, coach, you, I want you to tell this quick story. What you got? Uh, our rookie year, why you banned me from hanging out at your apartment? Um, I think I, me, I went to pick up Anwar <laughs> and just kind of share how I got banned from hanging out at Bro, Colson's you- house. Now this this is way back. We we early twenties, so I gotta give you some grace. Well, thank you. But you you gotta clean up after yourself, dog. <laughs> you can't just be leaving beer cans and coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I came over. We were gonna go out. Me and Anwar I was picking up Anwar. Of course, I had beer with me at the time, and I just didn't know we like kind of trashed his place. And Colson never hung out, so. It was just me and me and Anwar Phillips at the time, another fellow rookie man. And uh, yeah, so y'all, y'all come kick it, leave the beer cans, leave. I got to clean up. You that kind of guest? You, you <laughs> that you that you that person? I am that person, um, but I'm not anymore though. Um, Thank God. Thank God. It's that growth, man. It, it you know? has you have grown. You have grown. So, uh, 2000. What, what was your what was your year? Uh, 06. We, 06. we came in okay, together. Yeah. In 06. Yeah. It was a terrible draft class. Anyway, <laughs> so 06 rookie year out of seventh round pick out of Hofstra. When you got to New Orleans, and I'm sure it was just like, okay, wow, you know, big city, big lights, everything. Drew Brees, like, oh my god. Um, what was your what was your welcome to the NFL moment when you got when you got to New Orleans? <sighs> That's easy. Rookie minicamp. Mm. <laughs> rookie minicamp. Like <laughs> I had never been in the South. Yeah. Never been to New Orleans. That heat. That heat mm. almost ended my career before it got started. <laughs> like the rookie minicamp, I think was it was a weekend, right? Yeah. So we get out there day one. My back locks up. Mm. Day one rookie minicamp. Just got drafted. We just drafted another receiver in the fifth round. So I, I Mike know Haas. I'm not Yep, Mike Haas as my roommate too. He went to Oregon State. Yeah, Oregon State yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He works at Nike now. Yeah, monster. Yeah, he came um, to Chicago. He was one of our practice squad players. Yeah. So get drafted, go down. First opportunity, show what I can do. Can't do nothing. Back locked up. I'm literally done for the rest of rookie minicamp. So I leave that weekend feeling like I don't know if I'm gonna get invited back to the minicamp. Like that's seventh round pick. You just yeah. You hear the odds. You hear the stories. Pick 252, you're basically a free agent. So my welcome to the NFL moment was, like, you literally might not be here past three days. So um, obviously didn't get cut. Got a chance to come back to, to minicamp. Um, kind of got the back stuff figured out. Was able to survive minicamp. But then that I think survival's week, a good word for th- you. That's the only word. It was a good it, word Because it was you. pure survival yeah. mode. He was like 230 as well. He was much bigger. I, I big, was, big boy. Yeah, he yeah. was much bigger. Colston, he flashed, but like... Like he said, my man was... I was hurting. I was struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I was struggling. So like that that five weeks that you get between mini camp and training camp yeah. was like I flew back home and just figured out how to... I got back in the live, figured out how, how to get my body right. Mm-hmm. So when I came back to training camp, I was ready to roll. And um, yeah, that like that that early scare, I think really set the tone for my whole career because I never let myself feel like I had job security after that. Okay, and that just kind of drove the rest of my career. What did you do within those five weeks? Like, what did you change up? I honestly did you lose weight. Did you I cut weight? Up, did I, you... I ended up cutting about fifteen pounds. Okay, I came back to training camp right around two twenty, and I just, I just, I figured out how to work, right? Okay. And it, it sounds it sounds crazy, but you know, at Hofstra, you know, a lot of times you when you're at, you play at, at levels like that, you don't have that consistent competition every day in practice mm, okay um i wasn't at alabama going against you know first and second round draft picks on defense right so for me it was just figuring out how to work and like that first experience of whatever you did to, to, to prepare for, prepare for minicamp clearly in it is not it right so i just kind of had to um teach myself how to work and how to set a standard that put me in position to actually compete and, you know, I, I kind of took that five weeks and, and started to figure some of that out to where I just gave myself a fighting chance when I came back in, in, uh, in training camp and, you know, just made the most of those opportunities. I mean, clearly you did. You were one of the two or three rookies that actually were starting earlier than the rest of us. Uh, that whole class of ours really eventually were starting. So, but um, this is a question I don't, know, I don't even know the answer to, and that is, being the, the fourth to last pick in that 2006 draft, in your mind, mm-hmm. 
Would you rather have not been drafted at all? Because you know how it is late in those rounds. It's like sometimes do you even want to get drafted because then you can pick a better situation. Yeah. Uh, knowing that the Saints had already drafted yeah. a wide receiver in the fifth round. Yeah. Were you, how were your feelings emotionally about still getting your name called? Or would you rather like, ah, I don't know if I want to get drafted so then I can uh, go anywhere I want? Yeah, I mean, that's a, at, at that point, I was, I was hoping to be a free agent mm. because then I could pick – I could pick a situation where I felt like I could put myself in position to be successful. Right. Because um, at the combine, there, there were a handful of teams that talked to me about playing tight end. There was another handful Crazy. that talked to me about playing H-back. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around lead blocking on a middle linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> me either. <laughs> Not the way CJ used to yell at you from nah. crack block. Nah. You used to have stock block drills. And nah, I hate CJ. That oh, oh, my gosh. Colts would get yelled at all the time. <laughs> then CJ would be like, you soft dude, man. You soft dude. Colts would be getting mad, just fuming on me, but he never talks. So, <laughs> But, um... What was the question? Oh, free about yeah. free agency. Free agency. Yeah. yeah, no. So I, I kind of wanted to be a free agent because, you know, I, I get to pick my spot. And let's be honest, New Orleans and the Saints, the year that they were coming off of, I agree. It wasn't. It wasn't a destination at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, at that point, the the draft was two days. I had sat through the first day with my family. Didn't really expect to get drafted in the first couple rounds, so that was cool. But then sitting all day the second day, like when you kind of expect to come off the board early and just sitting there for hours and hours and hours, I was like, man, I'm I'm, I'm over this. Yeah, like, yeah, just let me get the free agency. I, I think I was um I was actually between the Texans and the, and the Cardinals. Uh, those are going to be my top two. Um, but then obviously I got my name called and went to New Orleans and back locked up, but <laughs> ended up with a second opportunity and. <clears throat> Where were you? Well. Where were you thinking originally? Where you would maybe get drafted at? Like, like what round? What range? Dude, I heard, I heard anywhere between second round and free agent. That's a, that's a crazy range. That is a crazy, crazy a range. massive range. <laughs> like, crazy range. But that's, I mean, you think about the world back then. We didn't have the social media. We we weren't as connected. Yeah, like right. information wasn't flowing like it is today. So yeah, any, anywhere between second and free agent. So. First three rounds came and went. I was pretty cool with that. Um, I had a guy that worked at Yahoo Sports at the time. Um, called me after day one. I was like, listen, I got some intel. You're going to be gone pretty early on day, on day two. Oh, why he tell you that? So that sex the <laughs> expectation right away. So I'm like, I'm, I'm I hope good. you still don't have this source of Yahoo <laughs> <laughs> I hope you fired him. <laughs> like, you need to go work for Google or something. Like you just, you, know you are a terrible source. I am not paying you for no inside. That expectation so, totally you are you trash. Yeah, it killed, killed the whole day. Because the draft started noon. I'm like, I'll be gone by one o'clock. If you want to call out that source's name, you can call it out by Dude, now. that totally messes up everything. Everything, everything. So once the expectation got set, and fourth round came and went. Fifth round came and went. Mm. Sixth round came and went. Oh, now you mad. Seventh round, I started getting calls from teams that got no more picks. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. That's bad. That's bad. It's That's come a long day. <laughs> That's a real long day. So I know, uh, I remember when I got my first start, uh, my coach came on. My coach, he walked up and was like, hey, you starting this week. You're going against two Hall of Famers. You're starting against Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. Don't be in there effing up. And then he walked out, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> and he, he walked out of the room, and I was like, yo! Got on the phone, called my boys, like, yo, I'm starting this week, Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. Yo, that's going to be so tight. So for me, I think at that point, I played the game, and, like, I killed it. I had, like, I had a really good game as a rookie. So I think for me, I was like, yo, I know I can make plays. You know, I started, I had, you know, I had the forced fumbles. I was getting interceptions. So mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I'm killing it right now. At what point for you – Having the, you know, the tight back when you locked up, then training camp and all that, a little bit of doubt. When did you know you could, like, make it in this league? When I started making it, like, straight up. It, it, was, it, was it like a point, though? Was it a game for you? Was it just like I, I don't a catch? Just like, oh, yeah, I caught this. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm finna kill it. I know I'm about to do work. I can honestly say I don't think I ever had that, like, that aha moment. Like, okay. I was just consistently in grind mode the whole time. Um. Like the way that I found that I was starting was, you know, we, we had that first that first practice day on Wednesday yeah. of, of week one. I literally found out on the field in the huddle on the practice field that I was starting. 
Like, so there, there was really no time for me to process it. I just had to literally go out and. Did he just say, uh, hey, Costa, go to once? We just, the, the huddle's there. I'm like, we don't have an X in there. Who's playing X? You, get in the huddle. <laughs> like, that's how I found out I was starting. <laughs> so so what'd you, what, <laughs> what was that inside feeling for you? Was it just like, oh, hell yeah, I made it? Or just, oh, I'm just a practice. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. <laughs> Don't it's, mess it it's up. It's so funny because <laughs> I totally see that out of you. Like, knowing who we were all the way from training camps, which we had training camp not in New Orleans. It was in Millsaps, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It was awful. It was right there in Jackson at Millsaps College. It was hot. Uh, practice was truly a grind. And um, I knew... You were going to be really good, though, Colston, when it was like a crossing route. And, dude, I'd never seen nobody give, like, the go-go gadget arms like you had the ability to be able to do and just plug a ball from out of there uh, going across the middle. And then when we played Green Bay week two and you had, like, a monster game, you had, like, a big-time touchdown for us, brought us back, and, like, you just continued to just show up. And you were probably the first rookie in our class that really, like, popped out. Um but that's when I thought, like, well, that's when I knew. I was like, man, this is like, my man Coles is balling. And uh, I don't think you ever really realized that. You probably, did you ever think about it? Did you, you there was no emotions. Just it's or, always been. It, you know, emotions are not my strong suit. <laughs> so. Not strong suit at all. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, in that rookie year, there was never a moment. And I think a lot of it was the situation one, I, I just never felt like I had job security. I always felt, and that's why I took every single rep. I never let anybody else get another rep. Because if you go take this rep and you kill it, like, oh, I might I might not get this one back. So my whole mentality was I have this opportunity. I'm just going to make the most of this opportunity. And I had a, a position coach, CJ, that was, he was just, he was, really- he was exactly what I needed at that time. Like he was a guy that you knew he loved you, but it was tough love. Like he pushed you. It. It. it he pushed. He pushed it was more than push. He motivated you. He pissed you off. <laughs> he pissed he, you he, off. He pushed you. He challenged you. But then on game day, he left you alone. Yeah. So like throughout the week, you wanted to fight him, but then on on game day, he was your guy, and that's kind of how our relationship evolved. So the combination of me not ever feeling safe, and then having that guy that literally pulled things out of me I didn't know existed. Like that's that's kind of what made it. That's kind of what made the situation what it was. And in in all honesty, I was I was literally learning really in every situation. So as an example, I played most most of my career. I played slot receiver mm-hmm. until I got to the league. I never played in the slot. Right. In a game, not in high school, not in college. So I'm literally learning a new position at the highest level. So there, there was never a lot of time for me to process what was happening. Like I, I always had to stay present to not mess up the next, the next moment, the next opportunity. That's kind of that was my mentality. Right. Are you ever like disappointed or mad that you never made an All Pro team or a Pro Bowl? You put up, you're the all time leading Saints receiver, yards, or is it? Are you more mad that you didn't get the ten thousand? The ten thousand stung a little bit more. Because you're right there at it. Um, I was right there at it. <laughs> and there was two games. That's a personal note I knew. Yeah, there was two games at the end of at the end of my last season where I was hurt. And you know me, I prided myself on never being hurt enough to not play. True. Like so the fact that I couldn't go out for them last two games and I knew I was two hundred and forty one yards short of ten thousand, mm. that stung a little bit. But uh like the Pro Bowl and the all pro stuff. I've I've just never really been concerned about other people's opinions. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's really what those things become. They they become opinions about what people feel about your game. So, you know, it it never really bothered me. The thing that I always played for was that the the my peers and my competitors, they respected me. Yeah. And if I felt that, I was good. I don't care about the outside validation. Yeah. That's what's up. So, yeah. I know I'm and 2 in Super Bowls. You're one and one, you're one and zero. Oh. What's been your fondest memory about uh, Super Bowl Forty Four? <laughs> the 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 one that pops in my mind is not very fond. Um, I had a ball bounce off my face mask. It was bad. Early. <laughs> I thought we were in wide trouble over the route. <laughs> Nobody within five ten yards of me. Yeah, touchdown. No, it wouldn't have been a touchdown. It's the first it'd, down. It'd have been a good 25, 30 25, yards. Twenty five thirty yards. Yeah. Okay. 
that's the first memory that pops in my head. Um, no concentration? Just didn't see it or? I knew I had room to do something after the catch. Mm. I knew I had room to, to you start do thinking something. about what you was going to yeah. do before you actually yeah. got it in your hand. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that thing bounced off my face mask and popped up in the air. <laughs> Luckily, nobody caught Boy, it. Boy, that was the scariest I've ever been in the game. Um, but that's crazy to think that's the first memory, though, because I'm sure everyone's like, oh, you won a Super Bowl. What's the best thing? What's, what's the first thing that pops in your mind? It's like, I dropped this damn pass. I gave up. A, a, first drive. First drive. First drive. First drive. Yeah. Boom, boom, we come out. Hits Colson dead smack in the face, man. Yeah. And we, Colson never drops anything. Catches everything. And he was wide open. Wide open. That might have been it. I'm not used to being that wide open. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the only memory you got from that whole game? No, I mean, okay. there's, there's obviously other memories. Um, you know, I caught a, I caught a, a uh, it was like a sluggo, I forget what we called it, sluggo stop that I caught on the sideline. Uh, real nice catch, like full extension. That's That, that was a good one. Um, didn't do a whole lot in the second half. But, yeah, I mean, just for whatever reason, my, my mind goes to the things I could have done differently. Yeah. Um, and that's that's just not in football. That's just kind of how I'm wired, mm-hmm. you know, so that's where I go. You know, I, I will tell this one quick story. The funniest memory I have of Colston playing football is literally when he did like, I don't know what he was thinking. We're playing in St. Louis and he catches a pass and Colston's like, all of a sudden he's running now. Colston never was like, all right, he was one of those like, he's not a yak guy. This is This is my line. Oh, you a yak yeah, that's guy? Pretty okay. That's pretty accurate. All right. He's not a yards after catch guy. I was going to say, you got to tell the people right. what yak means. He's not a yards after catch They don't, they don't know guy. what yak means. <laughs> Jake's not, over there looking like, I don't know what, what's a yak? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Was it a... Colson, this is not <laughs> his like, This is not his like <laughs> superpower. All right, he's running. And out of nowhere, Colson tries to do the whole like Reggie Bush thing and like jump over somebody for a touchdown. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know where he thought he was going all of a sudden. Trying to shrug them off. I was clearly about to jump clean over a six foot dude yeah. who was standing st- like straight up. Yeah, I don't know what you were thinking. Dude, Colson gets hit, flips. Ball just like, just gave it up. Ball's up in the air. Colson hits the ground and just lays out. He's done. <laughs> He's out. <laughs> Nobody's even checking on Colson. Everybody's scrambling for the ball. Colson's body just right there on the ground. <laughs> just right there. And I was like, body. His body just laid out. And I'm like, oh man, anybody check on Colson down there? <laughs> Nobody checks on <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he's out of character over there. Completely out of character. Figure it out. <laughs> but you know, these are the memories that I have of Colston just uh, as a player. We'll be right back after a quick break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower. 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's let's dive into his his post career. Yeah, so I think I think for me or most players, when we leave this game, we don't do it on our own terms, right? It's always you get injured or you get cut, released or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, it's only a few of us: uh, the Peyton Mannings, the Jerome Bettis. And Peyton Ray didn't Lewis. get to leave really on his terms either. I mean, he won a Super Bowl, and yeah. like yeah. that's that's a, that's a good way to go out. That's true. You know, Jerome Bettis, he won a Super Bowl, retired. Uh, 
we had Devin McCourt. He just was like, yeah, I think I'm done. I'm I'm one of my three Super Bowls. That's it. I'm on Marat off in the sunset. Did it the way he wanted to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it easy for you to come to your determination when you retired? Because if I, it, it kind of, I think I read you did it. You were like three, four years out kind of planning retirement or thinking about it at least, you know, before you yeah. actually did it. Yeah. So it was a combination of I had already been pretty active in on the business front. Like um, I was I was investing at the time. I was actually <laughs> I was running a semi pro in, in arena football team while I was playing. Really running it. Like really running it like in training camp building like my sales strategies and my sponsorship strategies yeah. and stuff. Um, so I was, I was like fully immersed in business at the time anyways. And like I said, that 2015 year, I didn't, I honestly didn't know I was going to come back and play that 10th year. Uh, like for, for five or six years running, I, I would always tell Roman, like, ah, this might be the last one. Um, but after the 14 season, my body was just in a place where, I knew I wouldn't be able to be the player that I that I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of undecided about 2015 until the, the very end anyways. So I kind of went into that year knowing that, that was it for me. Yeah. Um, so the combination of, of that and then already having some business stuff going, it made that transition a little bit more seamless. But I think what really fueled it was – when I was able to start to see how everything that I did to prepare myself to play on Sundays, how I could repurpose all of that into business and like had real proof because I was already doing it. I think that was, that was the thing that made the transition seamless and and one that didn't make it easy by any stretch, but it was like a, it was just another challenge that I knew I could, I didn't feel like I had to overcome it. I just had to figure it out. Mm. Right. Right. And to me, I think there's a big difference between you see this this mountain of adversity in front of you that you just have no clue what to do with versus. All right. This is a challenge that's kind of comparable to the things I'm used to dealing with. Right. And when I was able to see it through that lens, it made it it made it just, you know, a new thing to attack. All right. So just saying what you just said, um, Mm -hmm. what is the biggest difference? Like, because I want you to describe the situation that is like a mountain of just like adversity versus the challenge that you just got to figure out the answer to. Yeah. So for me, like I've, I've, I've never looked in the mirror and just said, I'm a football player. Mm. That's, that's my worth. That's my value. Like I've always seen more than that when I looked in the mirror. Right. And you know, football, I always said this football is, is something that I do. I'm really good at it. I work my butt off at it to become really good at it, but it's something I do. Um, you know, so I think for a lot of guys and, and really anybody in a life transition that if all you know and, and you've kind of built your life around one thing and that thing abruptly stops, it's you kind of have this feeling that you're falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And it's like I have no idea what's on the bottom of that, what's, what's where I'm going to land at when I hit when I fall off this cliff. Um, for me, I think. That cliff still existed. But because of the things that I was doing off the field already and the the things that I kind of figured out mentality wise that I could repurpose, I fell off the cliff, but it was a much more shallow cliff. Right. Right. To where I was able to land on my feet and I was able to. um, It was it was truly it was it, it was truly a transition of mindset more than it was like a whole life circumstance, if that makes sense. No, it does. Um Maybe could you share with us a couple examples of some maybe some of the struggles you had post retirement? Uh, I know we all go through it. Yeah. We all and you know this is kind of why we do this whole podcast. We talk sure. about our second yeah. act, and I had my. I mean, I had to navigate mine my own way. You yeah. navigated some of yours. Yeah. You know, like me, I took three hundred sixty-five days, did absolutely nothing. Yeah, to decompress and yeah, really take a step back and say, all right, well, like you said, I fell off that cliff and I didn't know it was at the bottom of it and. Yeah. But I, I knew I had the ability to be able to afford some time to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of took the opposite approach. Like, I literally threw myself into any and everything mm-hmm. that I thought would be um, challenging, exciting, and I thought would resonate with me. Um, you know, so everything from angel investing to, you know, working with entrepreneurs and figuring out how to become an advisor and a consultant 
to, you know, all, all the things that you rattled off, you know, to begin the podcast, those were all ways that I just kind of immersed myself in like self-discovery. Like, what are the things that interest me? What are the things I could potentially be good at? What are the things that I can make an impact in my own way? And I did that for <clears throat> the better part of a decade. Okay. Um, and just constantly trying new things, constantly building new skill sets, knowing that at some point, some of these things are going to be really valuable, not necessarily knowing when, how, um, the platform that they're going to be valuable in, but just building skill sets. And for me, the thing that really changed was actually recently with, uh, my third, my third child being born, my, uh, my daughter, who's nine months now, that was the first time that to your point, like I literally took a step back and I finally was able to get, get to the place where I was content, but I wasn't comfortable. And I think for us as athletes, like those two things feel like the same. Yeah. Contentment and, and being comfortable, they feel like the same thing. And it wasn't until I had my, my third my, my third child that I was able to kind of separate those two. And I've for the last year, I've just kind of been in the moment. I've just kind of been mm. um, slowed down a lot of things on the business front and really kind of focus more on impact. And what are the things that I can do to be impactful? What are the things that, you know, are going to bring me closer to my family? And um, having to go through that whole decade long period of self-discovery, I think is what led me to the place that I'm at now where I'm very content with where I'm at. I'm content with what I've done. I'm content with what I'm doing. I'm content with all the areas of my life still not comfortable i'm going to continue to you know push the envelope but i'm good that's yeah. funny because like content and comfort and comfort and comfort as an athlete never a good place no no it's like never want to be there you no. never want to be there <laughs> especially when you like yeah we just don't think like that no yeah that's like the opposite of everything we're taught like the moment you get comfortable it's like no to get up I, out of I, here it's almost like we hardwired we yeah hard, the, the way that the, the draft comes around every year they, they're literally drafting your replacement every year yeah and you got to fight them off, but teach them everything you know at the same time. Yeah. That, the I mean, that was, that was, that was, it's the craziest thing ever. <laughs> that is crazy. Was, yeah. Like that. I was always, yeah, I was always a guy's like, damn, each year I get older and slower and you want a guy younger and faster and you want to take my spot. Yep. So my, my thought process was like, no, you're not taking food off my table. Like I, I gotta, I gotta stay ready. I'm comfortable. Oh, I got to change something up. I got to do <laughs> yeah. something different. I got to flip the script. Yeah. Um, so in your contentment, and all that. Um, I want you to like tell me why, why, why the Arena League? <laughs> why, why was that? You know, one of your business uh, adventures. It was. It was an opportunity that just it, it really started as like a passive investment at first. Okay. So, just to kind of give you the backdrop, there was a, a team that was launching in my hometown in Harrisburg, PA, and. They were looking for investors. And for me, I was like, all right, I want to I want to give back to my community. I can kind of go the typical route, you know, build a charity, you know, host a host a camp, um, create some programming or this team now becomes like a give back vehicle. So that's that was kind of my mentality going into it. I'll be a passive investor and we can kind of build some some programs through the through the team to give back to the community. And when I got a little bit more involved in the business side of it, I, it really intrigued me. And it was an opportunity to, as I was actively playing at the highest level, mm -hmm. like as the talent, it gave me an opportunity to see the other side of the business, like what actually makes this thing go. Mm. And learning those two things in concert was like a hell of an experience for me. Um, so when I kind of saw that connection, it became more of a passive investment. And I said, I want to get actively involved in this. And that, that next year I bought out my partner and was like president, CEO, GM ran the whole show. Oh, okay. He also and moved chairs. He, Oh yeah. We, we're not afraid of the grind. <laughs> 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 no, it, it, everything from, you know, putting, putting the arena together, put, making sure the turf is laid down, the field is laid out from, 
game operations, making sure we got the music licenses secured, like ev- literally everything from soup to nuts. Yeah. It just intrigued me that much. Um, and my wife hated it <laughs> because at the time, like, think about this. I go down, play my season in the fall, mm-hmm. get finished in the winter, fly back home, pick up everything on the, on the arena side for the spring and the summer. So there was no, it was football like year round. 12 months. 12 months a year. Just a different kind of football. And yeah. The now, arena stuff was a little bit more stressful. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. How's, um, how's, how's the league doing now? Or do you still have it? Is it still going? Is it? No. So I, I, um, the, the, the league actually shut down in 2019. Okay. Um, so that was my last involvement with the arena football league. Um, it has since started to make a comeback that I won't be a part of, but, um, yeah, it, it was, it was a good seven year run. So Coles, um, another one of your passions is, uh, creating programs and educational things for universities. And I, I know you're working at, uh, was it UNO right now mm-hmm. and, uh, and doing some other things. I mean, you're an educator. I mean, I've gone to one of your, uh, entrepreneur, uh, business classes right here in uh, Columbia, right here in New York, uh, when I first retired. So I know this is a passion of yours. Uh, maybe tell us what kind of got you started into that. And also, I want to know personally, because I know all the other things you're into that we that's not on all these papers and stuff. And I've seen that big whiteboard in your <laughs> office that's just full of all kinds of stuff. So I want to know what's on the whiteboard and also about what kind of got you and led you into the whole university, the academia style of everything you're doing. Yeah, so education was something that in a million years I never would have seen myself in it. Um, I was an above average, I wasn't a great student, I was a slightly above average student. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to make excuses, but I was capable of more, but it just never clicked for me. Mm -hmm. And when I was presented, I, I was doing some speaking around entrepreneurship and management, business management. Um, that's how I initially got connected with University of New Orleans. And when the, the opportunity to come in and develop a, a course around leadership and entrepreneurship kind of appeared, it was, for me, it was just, it was an opportunity to take something that I wasn't very good at for reasons that I thought I wasn't very good at right. and like teach in a different way. So not necessarily teach from a tech book, textbook, but try to teach from an individualized perspective. Right. So I had a smaller, a smaller class, smaller cohort of students, and it was less about teaching you concepts from a textbook and more about how can you, um, how can you really take control of your own like personal professional development journey? That was really what the curriculum became. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was it. I was scared to death to get in front of the classroom because you know this more than anybody else. I talk with. <laughs> I'm about as introverted as you can get, right? So the fact that it scared the hell out of me was one of the reasons why I did it mm-hmm. because it was it was a new opportunity to expand. It was a new opportunity to grow into something different, and it was an opportunity to see if I can create impact in a different way, and. Those were all the reasons I did it. It really had very little to do with wanting to be an educator. Mm-hmm. It was more about, I think I have a unique perspective. I have some unique insight, some unique experience. Can I share it with these students as a way to unlock something for them? So you approached them or did they? Do they, you- they, they approached me and um, it was one of those things where when they approached me, I thought they kind of had something in mind already, but the opportunity was you come in here as an adjunct, you create your own curriculum, which mm. so you you were a professor, a professor at the university, live right? Let's, okay, yeah. yeah. I just want to yeah. make I want the people to know that yeah. he was a professor <laughs> at the University of New Orleans. Like, okay, like that's yeah, teaching honors classes. Yes, yep. Um, that's big. So, so I did that for taught that course for three semesters. Yeah, um, and there was some some unique things like COVID kind of made. Yeah, virtual change everything more of an option. So mm-hmm. I was able to do it from, from New Jersey. Jersey. So um, there were some stars that kind of aligned to make it happen. But you know, it was just again, it was an it was an opportunity to try something new, try try something different. Deliver. Did you enjoy it? I did. I, I really did enjoy it. Um, 
I got more and more comfortable with every class just being me. Yeah. You know, because and you guys can probably attest to this. Like you step into a new a new arena, a new environment. Mm -hmm. And when you're not 100 percent confident in what you can bring, you tend to show up as like a representative of yourself. Yeah. And for the first handful of, of classes, I kind of had my little lesson plan together. I knew exactly what I wanted to cover. And I was I was in front of the class as kind of that representative. And as I got more and more comfortable, I went less and less to the lesson plan, more and more to like what you're the feeling. mental Rolodex yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the experiences. And that's when it, it started to unlock things for me, but it also unlocked things for the students because it became more conversational. It became more personal as opposed to here's my textbook, highlight this stuff. We're going to take a test or get an assessment on this stuff. Like it became more about their own journeys and me being invested in their personal journeys. How much did that, how much growth did you have doing that? Because so often everybody thinks, oh, we're just coming here. When we talk to people, we pour into them. But a lot of times it's actually the reverse. Like I actually feel like I get poured into myself. Yeah, and I actually definitely. have more growth yeah. in the whole process because not only we learn about ourselves, but we learn from them as well. So what did you learn from all that too? Like what do you think you got to walk away with? Like, man, that that felt really good or or something like that. I think personally the most impactful piece of it was I got a chance to walk away and see something different in me when I looked in the mirror. I got to take on something that is literally one of my biggest fears. Yeah. And turn it into power. And, you know, the growth that comes from that propelled me into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, because a lot of times as athletes, we get typecast and we kind of get treated as this monolith. Mm -hmm. All you athletes do X, Y, Z. You athletes are interested in X, Y, Z. You're in, you, like, so for me, it was something that this is, this is not on the, the athlete bingo card going and being a college professor. True. Right. So for me, it was an opportunity to, to kind of take back ownership of my own brand, my own you know, likeness and re reposition it in a way that I wanted. So that's like, what do you think you could teach? Me? Yeah. University of Alabama, I didn't want you to teach something. What do you think you could teach? Dude. Uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, but what you said was a great segue. I caught him off guard. Dude, totally caught me off guard. It's like, uh, next question. I don't know. <laughs> Pass. Like, family feud style. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, um, but that kind of segue to the next thing is that you're talking about your brand mm -hmm. and um, what athletes are talking about in. And I've been in these spaces with you now where I only know you as the quiet storm, right? We're like, that's all that was, for those that don't know, that was Colston's nickname in New Orleans because he did not talk. <laughs> and so he would go weeks upon weeks and just not say You must have been really mad if he was talking and we tried to, you, was, you must have been, you must have been I really you, mad. That's <laughs> why I was shocked. I was so shocked. I'm like, dude, that's not even him. That's not even him. It's like, nah, son, not even him. So anyways... So, how and because I've always known you as Colston, but I've seen you in these spaces now, and you're Marcus, and you talk more, you're more gentle, you're more able to have these conversations with other people. And so now, how do you continue to change the mindset where now people, they only see you as a businessman. They mm -hmm. don't even see you as this former athlete. So now you're on the opposite end of this whole spectrum that most of us are always trying to get away from. Uh, what has that been like and how do you continue to add value I guess that no I still am that too it's I mean it's a constant it's a constant I'll call it a challenge it's a constant challenge just because you you kind of make some headway in some areas but then you go and you meet new people and it's like a re-education all over again um, you know so I've actually gotten for a long time, I was just like really, really focused on everything you just said. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not the former football guy. I'm the current such and such. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways, it it helped push all those narratives forward. But it did kind of leave me feeling a little bit disconnected from the thing that Got I was you. really, really good at. Yeah. Um, 
So it's it's a constant challenge, and it's and it really becomes and I always tend to to link it back to football, especially playing receiver, because like it's it's really a game of strategy. And what I what I start to think about is like it's all situational, right? I don't need to. I can go into an educational space, and I can I have the resume and I have the the skill set to show up as who I need to be in that space. Um, I can go into a sports setting and show up because I have the skill set, I have the experience, and right. sh- and be who I need to be in that space. So the idea of like this brand being just this static thing that I always am, no matter where I'm at, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of helped me move beyond that concept to where now I can show up with the references and I can show up with the 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 credentials to be who I need to be in that moment. And, you know, I think I'm just now starting to really get back into the sports side, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, it's, it's fun to kind of unlock it in a different way now. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's, it's just really how can I control my narrative and use it as a tool to kind of open the doors that I want to open? Um, because for a lot, for a lot of us, we just kind of get stuck in this in this cycle of our brand is kind of dictated to us, mm-hmm. and then the opportunities that we see are a function of the brand that people tell us that we have to be. Okay, so let's get back to some football questions. Gotcha. Rookie year. Yeah. Were you pissed off that Vince Young won rookie of the year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah. This, I think I know the answer. I think I know it because you ain't quiet storm quiet. He ain't said it. But I was like, I, I, body language. I'm pretty yeah. good at reading the body language. It's yeah. like you damn right. I was pissed off. Yeah. Was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like a, if it was a bubble with like a, a like comic dots. book. The dots is like dot dot dot. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I checked all the boxes. Yeah. Like I had a. Statistically, I had a good year. You did. We ended up in the MC Championship. Yeah, we did. Like, I from think, Lord knows what it was the, the year prior to that. So, like, I feel like I checked the boxes. Yeah, I, I think you didn't get it just because of the school you came from and the school he came from. Like, that might have had something to do with it. You know, you yeah. might be right about that. <laughs> I, just, I, didn't, I didn't think about that. It's, it's, it's no, uh, <laughs> no, no pride network. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that's why you lost that one. He just went to a better school. Yeah. And he had the name recognition, but you did have a hell of a, uh, yeah. You, I mean, you did have a hell of a year. You came in second, which is which is good. I, I just, yeah, it'd have been nice if you'd have won it though. Yeah. It'd be great. Represent for Hofstra. You know, I got hurt blocking. You know, yeah, it, I, I did get hurt blocking. Yeah, that it's so funny <laughs> though because um, that whole little situation is exactly how it would play out every single time. Sean Payton would say, "All right, we're gonna break it down after practice." You know, we get the little one, two, three, whatever, and he'd be like, "All right." Colson, everybody break it down on Colson. Everybody like, hey, hey he's going to talk. Shh. <laughs> everybody, shh, shh, he's going to talk. And then he come up there. He's just like, hey, uh, Saints on three. One, two, three, right? It's like, it's like nothing. I had this for eight years. I'm telling you, this is crazy. That's hilarious. He's, he's talked more today than in like six years. We had a guy like that, Nick Roach. We used to call him Nicky Whispers. Yeah, he just does he, he was a Mike Linebacker. He was like, all right, guys, overcover two. Ready? Break. <laughs> you gotta pay attention. You yeah, gotta pay attention. You gotta pay attention. You're gonna miss it. He said something, you're gonna pay attention. You definitely gotta pay um, attention. All right. So you know it was um how many receivers were drafted? You know how many receivers were drafted in two thousand six in front of you? I don't know, twenty two. All right, good. Twenty two. Good enough answer. Um Was it twenty two? I don't I'm trying to think back. Uh, I think it was 25. 25? Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> Out of all of those, can you name those only three receivers that played more games than you? Greg. Greg Jennings. Brandon Marshall. Not Greg Jennings. Not Greg? Nope. Yeah. yeah I got one then. You did get one. Brandon Marshall. <laughs> um, who else? We had him here. Yeah, he was here yesterday. He was here the other day. Jason Avant. Ah, Jason. But Jason was a beast in that slot. (laughs) (laughs) He was nice. Yeah. He was real nice. And the other one is kind of like, eh. Hybrid. Yeah, he really wasn't a receiver. He was probably a receiver coming out, but he eventually transitioned to tight end. Oh, Delaney. Delaney Walker. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. 
I figured, yeah. I, yeah. When I saw it, I'm like, mm, that's really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of cheating. They, they thought that was going to yeah. be my future, man. That, that they, was you. That, that was going to yeah. be you. That was my future in cer- certain teams. So. It was Delaney. Delaney played a long time, too. Long though. time. Yeah. He made it work. Yeah. I hate to say this, but I think Delaney might have been. Was he faster than you coming out? Because Delaney can roll. I mean, not saying, roll. You, not saying you can't roll. I think we were close. You basically kind of did say that just a I little know, bit. Yeah. Put a little I salt mean, on that. It's, it's all like, good. I'm used to it at this point. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> He's not always been known as a possession guy, even though he could run. He ran like a 4-3 something coming out of high, college. No. Four, I, four. No. Four three was never in my life. Four four. Uh I ran mid four four at, okay. at one point. I was mid four four. Would you go? I was a uh, four four eight. Okay. At Alabama. That ain't, bad. That ain't bad. So uh throughout the career, toughest some of the toughest corners you've ever uh gone against. Hated playing against you. Hated playing against Al Harris. Yeah. Like for me, bigger guys That's a great combo. That's a great combo. Bigger guys just it's hard to look at, look across when like your size is your advantage and like see a mirror image of you. <laughs> I like, like what the do I do guys. with that? Yeah. yeah. To me, I thought you guys were easier. Yeah. Like the smaller Marvin Harrison, Steve yeah. Smiths, like those guys for me, they were harder to cover. But a yeah. bigger guy, a, a you, uh, uh, Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss, like those were the guys that I loved. Like yeah. I, I used to get excited. I, I would get geeked to play guys like your size because like yeah. oh, finally. I got a bigger dude. Like we now we can like we can go at it. It's, yeah, it's a heavyweight battle. Like let's let's go. Yeah, no, nah, I appreciate you putting me in in that category. Of dumb two dudes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, you you Al Harris like the bigger corners were always more challenging for me because like my game was was body position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so you you two and then Darrell Revis in his prime was just different. Yeah, like. Sand everywhere, islands. Just build you, islands. You want to play number three, like two yards from the tight end? Cool. I'm pressing you right there. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't matter. Like, it wasn't. There weren't too many dudes like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was nice. All right. He was real nice. So, every guest we bring in, we always like to know um, who is on their personal route Mount Rushmore of influence, and uh, you get four. It's not just about football, life, mm. everything, all holistically. Who's on your Mount Rushmore? Oof. I mean, first, first, I got to put my 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 parents. I'll, I'll I'll let them collectively be one. Okay. Um, I like that. So I lost my dad at fourteen, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I always think about is, in fourteen years, I got so many life lessons. I got so many examples that I still use to this day. Yeah. Um. To where, like those 14 years have given me a lifetime worth of guidance. Mm. Um, he, he, he and my mom, uh, I lost my mom about, about five years ago. Uh, so they, they have obviously, you know, everything that's in my DNA comes from them. Yeah. Um, but just understanding how to navigate this world, how to treat people, how to stand on your word, all of those things that I feel really strongly about, and confident about myself, I got from them. So they they got to be number one. Um, I put I put CJ. I like that. In my Mount Rushmore. He probably deserves it. Um, I kind of spoke on him a little bit earlier, but he took a dude that had some raw talent, raw ability, and didn't know how to work, mm-hmm. didn't know how to be a, a professional athlete, and forced me to become a professional fast. Yeah. Um. So I, I would say everything that I that I was able to do in my career, like he is, he's he's got a lot of hand. It, like he's got a hand in all of that. Um, and four is tough. You got four two is more. Tough, yeah. Um, there's a part of me that wants to say somebody in the Saints front office, but they passed on me seven times too. <laughs> I, I was a, I was the second pick of the seventh round. That is true. Um, I would say my financial advisor is on my Mount Rushmore. Um, Why is that? And it's less about the job that he has and more about the example that he set. Okay. Like he's a former athlete himself, played 10 years back, back with the Eagles. And he was somebody that always – when I came to him with these crazy ideas, these crazy opportunities, he always pushed me out of my comfort zone 
Um, you know, so he was more than just the money manager that a lot of guys have. He was like a real live mentor and advisor. Yeah. That said, all right, I walked this path. Here's some of the good things that happened in my path. Here's some of the bad things that happened in my path. I'm going to give you all of it and you do with it what you need to do with it. Mm. Um, so he's somebody that always kept pushing me. And um, yeah, a lot of the business stuff doesn't, doesn't happen as early as it did in my career without him. Which we all know the the path to success as a business person is fail, fail early. You got to fail. You got to fail early. Fail and the earlier you fail, yeah. the better you're going to be earlier. So yeah. that's really cool. 110%. Um, damn, number four is tough. I'll put a pin in my wife. I I, I, I want to put her there, but I know that's not what you guys are asking for. No, no everybody just, puts their, a lot um, of people put their wife in there. All right, I, 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 they my, play a big role. Go ahead and throw so, Emily up. So, so my wife has bared with me through a lot of stuff <laughs> on the business front, particularly on the business front. Like there was a time where I was just so fully invested in learning and fully invested in growth and fully invested in, you know, we, we talked about the business in Jamaica, the, the yeah. cannabis business. I'm flying back and forth to Jamaica and back and forth to Toronto uh, for businesses. I'm, you know, taking what people, normal people would vacation in the off season. I'm going to run a front office um, so she, she kind of understood throughout the whole journey. She's kind of understood some of the things that I was doing wasn't for that time. It was kind of building for, for the future. Yeah. And, you know, she made some sacrifices. We made some sacrifices as a family, you know, you know, just being able to live in the moment to pursue some of those things. And, you know, without that support, um, you know, I'm not here talking about these things. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she's she got to be, she's got to round up my Mount Rushmore. Mountain. Yeah, for sure. She's earned that. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. Hey, man, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. Uh, this was almost as fun as all those uh, early mornings trying to uh, speed down airline high, airline boulevard in New Orleans, trying hey. to not be late for hey. practice or for the meetings. You late? No, never. No, nah, it was funny because like <laughs> it's like a whole bunch of lights on this road for those that don't know. And Colson had his little, you know, he had his Camaro back in the day, and uh, he just blow through all these red lights, <laughs> just like blowing through them, driving around cars. Didn't matter. He hit, hit the shoulder. Yeah, he was not gonna be late. <laughs> it was, so but I learned from him though, so it's all good. The ticket gonna be less than the fine. For sure. Just give me the ticket. For sure. For those that don't know, for those that don't know, what we talking about is when you are late for a team meeting, you you get fined thousands of dollars. Yes. You get a speeding ticket, it might be sixty five dollars. Yeah. Give me that hundred dollars. You you do the math. You don't need. And if I get the ticket, I got an excuse. That out. And if I if I earn the ticket, I got an excuse because I got pulled over. So it's like automatically, it's a win win. Yeah. 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 It's just better that way. Just better that way. Well, yeah, man. All right. Well, thank you. Colston, you're a true blessing, man. The Quiet Storm, this is it's been awesome. Thank you, man, for showing up uh, uh, and being patient enough with me and my tardiness today. I just everything I got going on, you should totally be used to it. He should be too. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, everybody else, thank you. And they didn't even know I was late until we announced it. So thank you, as always. Our listeners, our followers out there, and our viewers watching this beautiful podcast, uh, iHeartRadio Studios, thank you up here in New York for having hosted me and Peanut. Well, Peanut and Peanut I. Peanut and I. Sorry, he would totally correct me. Peanut and I. English teacher. Uh, yes. Wherever you pick up your podcast at, continue to do that. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Make sure you all give us a five-star rating. Click that follow button. Hit subscribe. Wherever you listen to them at, whether it's Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Thank you as always. Peanut, get us up out of here, boss. Hey, I'm Peanut Tillman. That's Roman. I'm Lane Harper. That's the Quiet Storm. Marcus Colson. Hey, we out of here. We out of here. Out of here. See y'all later. See you later, Quiet Storm. Quiet Storm. Sign it off. Bye bye. <laughs> y'all crazy, man. <laughs>
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 